Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? Only he can see it. I've had my fair share of spooky or supernatural events take place throughout the course of my life. All sorts of things, from weird feelings of not being alone, seeing movement out of the corner of my eye, seeing apparitions and orbs while just waking up, hearing voices. In all reality, nothing incredibly major, but the regularity of it over the years has instilled in me an understanding that there might be something else going on that we just can't see or really comprehend. Out of all of my experiences, I can count on one hand the times I've been afraid of this stuff. Usually, it's so benign or just plain odd, I, I don't really take it too seriously, aside from the times that it impacts me a little too much. But when my young son of four started talking about a man, and I couldn't see him, and he was whispering things to him, telling him to do things, that did terrify me. I don't know that I can outright call this a demonic attachment. It only seemed to take place at one specific house that we lived in, but it certainly seemed focused on my son while living there. The earliest encounter I can recall, he was still four and was late to start talking, at least in complete thoughts or sentences, which is important to the story. I was in the kitchen chatting with a family member. We could both hear him clearly just around the corner babbling and nonsensical baby talk as he played with his toys. All of a sudden, very clearly, he said the words, No, stop. You're hurting me. I dropped what I was doing and ran around the corner. He was just standing at the far end of the couch staring up at me as I came into the room. I didn't see anything around him and he didn't say anything else about it that night. Later on... He would tell me that it was the man grabbing his wrist. A couple of months went by, and one particular night, my son was sleeping in my room with me. He absolutely hated being in his room alone at night and would often sneak into bed with me. Now looking back, I suspect I know why. This night, I kind of jolted awake, aware of his presence right next to me. In the dark, I could see his head lifted entirely off the pillow and his big eyes peering down to the foot of the bed. He was quiet for a second, just staring. I looked down at the same spot and, not seeing anything out of the ordinary, looked back up at him and asked, What's going on, kiddo? Still staring, he just said, The man. 
he's sitting down there. There are times, even as an adult, that it is absolutely, perfectly acceptable to sleep with all of the lights on. And this ended up being one of those times. I mean, it's not not acceptable to always have some kind of light on, right? I, I, I am accident prone. I will stub my toe, uh, break a cherished family heirloom. I, I will be falling downstairs. And these are all totally the very real reasons I might keep a light on. Welcome back to Paranorm Girl, Season 3, folks. I am your host, Kristen. Things that go bump in the night. Myself excluded. Honestly speaking here, um, I fall upstairs. Anyone else? I've fallen more going up the damn things than down them. Some some things I, I just can't seem to get right. Uh, getting back to the spookier side of the supernatural this season, we are going to be getting into some dark stuff. I hope you all are prepared for it. I hope that I'm prepared for it, now that I think about it. Um, never thought there would come a time in my life that I would own my very own congressional-sized library of demonic literature. Or that I would be forced to read large swaths of the Bible. But you know what? Here we are. Good to be back. Good to see you guys again. Um, before we get too far into our Season 3 intro, let's do a little housekeeping. Products and services, baby. My rental company, located in Gouges, Washington State, uh, realized recently, going over some listener numbers, I got a few regulars up in that neck of the woods. One, so cool. Two, it is gorgeous. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Pullman's go-to for high-quality rental properties. If you are in need of an awesome place in and around the area, please check them out. Tell them I sent you. My Rental Company, 509-338-4653. Your property is our priority. Next up, I was thrilled and so honored to be invited onto the Keeping It Real with RZ channel over on Twitch for a little one-on-one -on -one about the past season's subject and conclusion. Um, it was a really fun interview and my own maiden voyage onto the platform. And I had a great time uh, kind of revisiting some aspects of the Mandela effect and aspects of shadow people from the first season. And, of course, getting to tease this season a wee bit. Um, it, it's so interesting once you get through the material and then remove yourself the perspective you gain. Uh, but if you guys missed that talk, I'll link it below in the show notes for you to check out. Please do and give him a follow while you're over there. Let's support our fellow paranormal brethren and show the love. Okay. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. By the way, what were we talking about? I have tried to read it before. Back to the Bible. Sorry. Squirrel. I like to consider myself open-minded enough to peruse all sorts of literature but I never could make it much further than the first few sections. You know, once all the begatting starts up, so-and-so begats so-and-so, and so on and so forth, the mind does start to wander. Yeah, if only someone like like uh, like Diana Gabaldon were to rewrite it, throw in some handsome Scottish rogue in there for flavor. Who knows? My tone might be very different right now. Neither here nor there. Gonna kick this all off with some good old blunt honesty. First things first, fair warning, 
We are going to be talking somewhat about religion this season, only to the extent of how it relates to demons and demonic possession and the role it plays in that. We've got to cover some foundational and fundamental stuff over the next few episodes in particular uh, in order to get a concept of the entire picture. So for anyone with an aversion to religion as a topic, you might be possessed, heads up, but also in general, this might be an uncomfortable lesson for you to get through, and I completely get it. Uh, I'll admit I'm not the biggest fan myself. While I do see the good aspects to it, the potential, I definitely see the bad as well. I have a bias. Not going to get into it too much because that's not what the show is about. But yeah, yeah, I, I do. I will just leave that there for now. And in the spirit of full transparency on this show, especially with a topic like this one, I do think it's important to put our bias out there, to name it. It can help us to gain a better perspective if we already full well know where we stand. And I actually think it may keep us honest in our conclusion on the subject of demons and possession as we near the end of the season. I do. All right, and a second bit of blunt honesty. Unlike with previous seasons, I'm actually going to put my initial thoughts on this subject out there right now. Initial thoughts. I'm going into this a little more than doubtful that there's anything to this demon and possession business. I, I'm, I'm just not sure how much of it is based in reality and evidence and how much is just folklore and scary campfire tales passed down through the years. If I end up eating my words and it is real and I, I, I'm just, I'm almost positive it's not the way we've been led to believe. There is a vast and rich history of this stuff over the course of the centuries. But I think both of these subjects are so insanely shrouded in secrecy and fear and ignorance. And it seems like we just keep making stuff up about it as we go along, that it balloons out into this outrageous spectacle of a modern day mythology. And no one really seems to have a good understanding of what a demon actually is. I was completely sideswiped with the information and opinions when I first started looking into it because everyone's got a differing opinion. And we'll look at all of that, of course. Just be prepared that your final thoughts and understanding of this subject might not end up being very similar to what you currently think about it. There are a lot of pokers in the fire with this one, too. A lot of fingers in this pie. Whether we're talking about Catholicism and their motives or any other religion or culture or the demonologists and the rogue exorcists, um, there are a lot of people motivated to keep this train pushing forward. Transparency is the key with this one. And it seems at the onset that transparency does not behoove quite a few people and groups whose vested interest is in keeping demons and possession shrouded in mystery. As I said on the last episode, I, I am actually very excited to get into the subject. I do not know much about it, but there is no shortage of material and literature and different takes, and I cannot wait to share everything I'm learning with y'all. So, with no further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. I wanted to start everything out with a simple question. 
And then let's just see where that takes us. The question is, what is a demon? I'm sure most everyone listening right now might get some sort of image in your mind. The image I've got is a rather hysterical, cartoon-like creature with little horns and glowing red eyes, and he's sneering or sniding. Um, He's little or crouched over or hunched over, surrounded by fire. Yeah, a little devil-like character. Is your image similar? Am Am I way off base? So, a demon is generally agreed to be a supernatural entity associated with evil. In largely the Christian faith, the demon is feared for its ability to possess a living creature. This general description of this entity can be seen, though, across many belief systems and mediums like religion, such as literature, mythology, folklore, occultism. Though this entire idea of an entity bent on evildoing and possession hasn't always been the case. It seems, from what I'm understanding here at the start, that thanks to the late Christian writers of the 2nd and 3rd centuries, that there may actually be a distinct origin to this modern-day concept of a super-scary, supernatural demon creature that we think we loathe and fear. According to Christian mythology, demons are the one-third of fallen angels who rebelled and fell along with Satan. They were cast from heaven, becoming Mr. Morningstar's little minions and no-good-doers. The hitch in this whole idea is that this is not a shared assumption with the ancient Jewish texts and those who wrote and translated the Hebrew Bible prior to the rise of Christianity. Where the Christian writers were trying to equate this idea of fallen angel to the term demon— All sorts of beings from the Hebrew Bible were encompassed in this term. Their term, demon, was used to refer to any number of malevolent beings, such as Lilith and various other evil spirits or even disease or drought or states of being. Demon or demonic were terms being used in a more generic way. And this is a long throw from the preceding Greek idea and term, daemon which essentially didn't mean bad or good. It it was more so equivalent to how we might look at the term spirit today with that same sort of widespread usage. It can be more or less something neutral. An interesting bit I've already come across, and I do wonder if we'll run into this connection again. In the ancient Greek beliefs, it was thought that every person had their very own demon called an agathos daemon throughout their life. And this entity would follow along, guiding and encouraging wisdom and divine behavior. Where have we heard something similar to that before? Why, in season one, of course, when we talked about shadow people. One theory largely influenced by Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley was this idea of the djinn playing a major part in a lot of these paranormal entities and experiences we are encountering. And there was an idea floated at the time that everyone is assigned their very own jinn at birth, who goes with them, guiding and looking after them through life. Hmm. Back to the info at hand. While the ancient Greeks did have a concept of hostile or dangerous spirits, they didn't have this, like, master, evil, devil-like character orchestrating it all, and therefore did not have evil mini-minions carrying out the evil plan, and therefore 
No concept of demon, at least that we can relate to today, can be found in the literature until the Christians got their hands on it in the 2nd and 3rd century and needed to create a bad guy. And there's my bias. This this is going to be fun. Now, nailing down any specific traits gets a little interesting, as no two demons are alike. And also there is this little problem of them not actually being physical beings. Well, some of them might be. We'll, we'll get into that, too. Throughout the folklore and art throughout the centuries, we do find some creative renditions of different manifestations, mostly alluding to that cartoon-like character that first popped into my mind. For instance, we've mentioned it before, but the sleep demon presented in the famous painting The Nightmare. Just a little gargoyle-type creature crouched on top of a woman in repose. In fact, ask most anyone, and they will all probably agree that demons alike are ugly, disconcerting, and evil-looking, though these same folks may be unable to describe anything more specific than that, which I find interesting. Talk about taking an idea and running with it. Here's another thing I find interesting and I will have to look into further. Satan. The devil. Lucifer. It was a long time coming, but nowadays you can find multiple sources who agree, maybe begrudgingly, that if you were to ever meet this fallen angel, you might be surprised to come upon one of the most outstandingly beautiful creatures to have ever existed. That was kind of his thing before the whole banishment bit. He was drop-dead, folks. As I recall, pride was his primary sin. The interesting thing I find about this, what about the angels who followed him? If we are following the Christian mythology here, were they not handsome, beautiful, glorious creatures as well? So Lucifer gets to remain eye-looking and the others are transformed into morning after regret? Lose my number? New phone who dis? So, I want to take a moment to briefly touch on the different iterations of this idea of a demon. Because even though the Christian idea of what that means has largely influenced what we have come to believe about them since the days of Sumerian and Babylonian mythology— there still has always been this wiggle room, even in the Christian faith and the Catholic Church, waxing and waning between the demon being a very real, supernatural entity with individual personality and desires bent on causing the pain and torment of all of humanity, massively powerful, angry, and able to possess a living being, versus this other idea that at times has benefited the Church in backing— that demons are just more of a metaphorical concept. The idea of battling our internal demons, battling the demons of misfortune or sexual perversity or drug abuse, that kind of stuff. I'll tell you what, though. I can be open to the idea of bad spirits, like the Greeks were. Energies a little more hostile toward me for whatever reason. There's some weird stuff out there, sure. I can be open to the idea that these types of energies can be playing a part in our misfortunes or bad fates or accidents, stuff like that. I can follow those rabbit holes fairly easily. The idea of a demon being a fallen angel and henchman of the devil, I have questions. 
but we are absolutely going to get into it. Why? Because I'm not going to be a hypocrite on my own show. On many occasions, I've droned poetically on and on about staying open-minded, entertaining the thought without accepting it, really listening. And that's oh so easy to do when it's a subject that you are already on board with or just riding the fence on, right? But this is an example of where it really actually counts. It is especially in my and maybe our bias that we should deeply desire to know why so many others truly believe in this concept. I want to know why people can sincerely believe themselves to have become possessed. Let's find our insatiable curiosity and desire to learn here. Let's ask all of the questions and be thorough. And here's one I already have. When an exorcism doesn't fail or end in the alleged possessed party's death, why does the person, who originally had been tested thoroughly and had no other mental or physical illness to blame for their symptoms, why do they suddenly seem to become better post-exorcism and go on to live a completely normal life? This season, we'll be deep diving into all sorts of aspects on this topic, such as the famed exorcism, history and folklore, and well-known possession cases. We'll take a look at the study and practice of demonology, experts in the field, and a dedicated segment to my skeptics about why not everything is a damn demon. Something fun to look forward to on the upcoming show, though. We'll be going over some of the more common, well-known household spawn. You'll already have heard of a few of these guys, but I'm sure there will be a couple newbies to add to your knowledge cache. You have to admit, no matter where you stand, the subject is intriguing and vast and dark and unnerving. My hesitancy with the biblically-based image of it and my bias that it's probably been manipulated should not discount the power that it continues to hold over so many and its prevalence throughout the world. That's going to do it for today. Please join me on the next episode and let's learn all of the main players and their names. In the meantime, like and follow the show over on the socials at ParanormGirlPod so you can stay in the loop for any new episodes or announcements. Shoot your devilishly demonic experience over to ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate and review the show on whichever platform you are using to tune in. I cannot even begin to tell you how much it means to me and how much it helps the show reach more people. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Really great to be back with you guys for yet another go on this paranormal merry-go-round. What do you say we bring it home with a final note? Angels and demons. Possession. Oppression. Gonna get dark. Gonna get heavy. But we got this. There sure is a lot of fear involved with this subject that keeps people from looking any deeper than the surface. And in turn, a lot of misinformation. And that's unfortunate. Because without accurate knowledge and education and the truth... The world must seem so small and scary and dark 
nothing is as it seems at first glance. Nothing. I don't doubt that to be the case here as well. Could the idea of the horrible, rotten demon be but a simple case of mistaken identity, a rose by any other name? Since our earliest days, humanity has believed in good and evil, bad and good spirits. Was it just all too easy for us to start lumping all bad, undesirable things into this concept of demon? Is that how we landed here? Or was this some cloak-and-dagger attempt by the church to snuff out the gods and goddesses of history, to keep the masses abiding and frozen in fear? Maybe a bit of both. The finger-pointing gets a little hard to follow at some point. The, uh, the lines of history, they do get blurred. In order to save some time, here is some information you need carrying forward in order to understand why we are investigating this subject in the way that we are. One, there are quite literally thousands upon thousands of named and noted demons throughout history, pulled from the Bible, of course, but also ancient philosophical texts and grimoires. And these are in addition to numerous entities throughout history who may have unnecessarily or unfairly been labeled demon as well. Like I said, there is some strange stuff out there. I think there very well can be tons of non-human but humanoid-type entities lurking in the dark, watching us from afar. Not demonic, but something else. Or possibly from somewhere else, but not hell. We're quick to put anything conceivably dark that we don't understand under this umbrella term of demon without really thinking about what that means. Is a dog that bites you when it's scared evil for doing so? Or was it simply acting accordingly to its own needs and instincts? Two, so that we can soak up the most knowledge in this very short amount of time, we are going to be focusing quite heavily on the noted demons of the Judeo-Christian system of religion. I may take the liberty to pepper in a few famous or well-known entities from our pop culture, because that would be fun, and also a few entities, if necessary, from Greek or Jewish mythology, if it's important to whatever we might be discussing. But this is my attempt at keeping it as simple as possible. And three, knowledge is power, my friends. Transparency is key. Education is the antithesis of fear. I've spoken on the fear-mongering ever-present in certain paranormal subjects. This particular topic is steeped in it. There aren't many things that offend me, and there aren't many opinions that I won't listen to. But the fear-mongering pushed so heavily on this subject, which I suspect has its roots in dogma, is not welcome. We're here to talk and learn about it openly. I'm willing to be open to others' opinions until that opinion becomes, no, you're wrong. Don't talk about this. Don't think about this. Don't learn any more about this. Now, this is not to say you can't be afraid of this subject. Hell, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what I'll come to find out. My bias be damned. 
If anything happened to you personally, or you know of something that happened to someone and that experience left you afraid and with opinions of your own on the matter, I accept that. That must have been terrifying. I understand why you feel or think that way. Let's talk about it. But that is not the person I'm referring to. I am talking about the self-righteous, antiquated, fundamentalist, superstitious, fear-mongerer who in all likelihood doesn't know what the hell they are talking about. I'm going to be naming demons by name during this season. I'm going to be discussing how some of them, historically speaking, weren't all that bad. At some point, I'm going to be making light of a very dark subject because I have a sarcastic, dark sense of humor and it's my go-to when I get uncomfortable. And ultimately, we are going to be pulling this entire intimidating subject apart in order to examine it and hopefully make it a little less intimidating. And I know for a fact there are people and groups out there who would not want any of that to happen. So, if you can keep all of that in mind moving forward, and you're good with that, if you truly want to peek behind the curtain, and if you are willing to cast your fear and ignorance aside for the sake of education, welcome back to class. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.